Hello. Good day, everybody. Let's make sure we're... Yes, good. We have sound. We have video. Live from Denver. It is Sunday morning. Hey, everybody. Our uh, post-Christmas critical Q&A live edition with my beautiful wife, Melissa, who is uh, deigning to join us this morning. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh for uh yes for a live show we um hey everybody uh see you coming in on the comments there this is great yes uh yes i'm happy to see you dylan um so we've got some things to cover today let's go ahead and just intro into this slowly so that we uh let's go ahead and get the chats on the screen there so we can see the comments as they're coming in and uh, hey, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. I hope everybody had a good holiday yesterday. Yeah. We actually managed to pull something out of the fire because yeah. um, we didn't think. We thought we might be stuck at home for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we were for the beginning. Um, we had a COVID scare because a friend of ours has uh, came down with COVID. And so we um, were going to be good little chickens and isolate and stay home and do our, do our you know, duty. And uh, we went and got tested. We got the nasal test, mm -hmm. uh, and our and our results uh, came in like yesterday, at like one thirty. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like, hey, we're negative. We're going. So we we took off and went over and uh, spent the rest of the day with our family, and that wasn't very, very, very fun. We had a good time. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we're really, really happy to be yeah. able to do that. I am appreciating more than ever now the value of having time with family mel's family my family and really trying to um to make the most of those moments and those times and so i was going to shoot a q a yesterday uh and so because we were planning on being home all yeah. day so that was the plan anyway so here we are live hey london uh yes that is a pretty blouse isn't oh, thank it you. yes yes it is i agree um okay yeah exactly so here we are in the holiday post-holiday bliss <laughs> uh actually what what's really true i think is that uh new year's is next weekend and we're all going to sort of pretend to work this week and uh just kind of counting the minutes <laughs> until next weekend mm -hmm. uh when we will party like it's 1999 um let's party like it's 1998 because 1999 was really a boring new year's that's actually true it actually was <laughs> it actually was thank you one track mind for putting off the football so you could join us i really appreciate that um okay so we are going to get to questions and in fact um we have a question to start with um oh and let me see here if i don't want to make sure i'm remembering everything but i'll get to it if i have forgotten anything um the first question that i have is actually from uh, a question i was going to answer straight up in my q a and i wanted to bring it up here today because it's timely and because uh it's kind of fun and that is hey canada um i have not yet seen squid game um not yet that nope. that'll that'll probably come in the future um okay so but i did see matrix 4 matrix resurrections the new matrix movie and i was asked um by uh, one of my patreon supporters um how was it and what did I, you know what did i think about it and also what would scientologists think about it so uh let's go ahead and open the show with this because i wanted i do want to get right into it and mel did not see it so. I, I fell asleep isn't that no, no comment on the movie i was just tired 
Yeah, yeah, we were we were trying to watch it. And, uh, anyways, I I did finish it, and it's a movie that is definitely one you would want to see a couple times. It's got a lot of layers and a lot of messaging going on. Um, I'm not gonna do. I'm I, I'm gonna not. I'm gonna try, and you guys tell me in the comments. No, I have not yet seen Spider-Man: No Way Home. That is actually on my agenda probably for this week because I do want to go see it, and I do want to see it on the big screen. So um, I'll probably go see that myself uh, sometime during the week. Probably Yourself. will happen. Well, I mean, maybe we'll go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be uh, doing West Side Story later today. We watched the original last week, and uh, and for the first time, I saw the um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, what was it? Romeo 90? and Juliet, nineteen ninety six. Yes, the Buzz Lerman <laughs> Romeo and Juliet too, which I liked. I actually enjoyed that movie. It's so over the top. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Uh, anyway, I'm definitely looking forward to it. One track mind. Thank you for that. Uh, so I'll definitely be seeing it. No, Hugo Weaving is not in this new Matrix movie. Getting back to that. Wasn't um, there sort of a flashy thing? There are flashbacks in the movie. Yeah. There are cuts to. Past, yeah, there are cuts to past characters or past events. Um, I read I read a few things. I did not go out of my way to try to read spoilers, but I did read a few things, reviews about the movie when it first, first, first came out and or was, was first being reviewed for the critics. And I found everything they said to be true. And I, and I sort of tweeted that out as this sort of like whatever. Um, it's, it, you know, everything you've read about it is true, the good and the bad. Um, and, and, and the really good. I mean, it's, it's all of those things. It's, it's one of these kind of movies where there's so much going on and there are so many layers of communication happening in, in terms of the, um, the symbolism and the, um, the, 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 who stands for what in the story, how these things are reflected in real life. You know, the Matrix are kind of deep movies. They're, they mm-hmm. are philosophical based movies and they are, and they take themselves seriously and they have a message messages and they are trying to communicate those messages and those messages have a lot to do with identity and a lot to do with disagreeing with the social order there's it's an undeniable theme throughout the entire matrix series that you know disagreement and standing up for yourself uh standing up for who you are and how you see things and how you believe the world should be and crafting your world to be that way is all you know pretty positive stuff pretty uplifting inspiring kind of messaging as we as we think about things these days um, in our sort of postmodern mm. world, right? And um, and it's and it's not. Uh, it's the allegory of the cave. Yes, I, I'm sure that's true, and I don't even know what the allegory of the cave is. <laughs> um, but I do know something about identity, and I do know something about attachment, and I do know something about how people try to get along with each other and try to get along uh, in the world as themselves, and the difficulties of that. And Scientology, getting to connect this right away with Scientology, I wanted to comment on, I I wanted to do a spoiler-free commentary on this. So I'm not going to talk about what happens in Matrix 4. I mean, unless you guys want me to, but I don't really want to go there. I think you guys should see the movie on its own terms. But in terms of the Scientology connection, where they where they come together is on a couple different points. One being that you are trapped, that you are the uh, victim of forces beyond your control or understanding. 
and that if you could understand those forces and could become aware of those things, you could become uh, causative over them. You would no longer have to be under the thumb of that suppression or that oppression or whatever word you want to use for the crushing feeling you have that you don't get to be you in this world because of uh, jobs, because of social obligations, because of family, because of your own doubts, uncertainties, and fears. These are all the things that they, they weigh on all of us. It's part of being human that we struggle with who we are and have our various identity crises. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Matrix is. That's one thing that the Matrix is all about. And there have been a lot of um, write, written articles I've seen already coming out in, in the past about how it has to do with um, the uh, LGBT or trans experience. And I'm going to throw out there that I agree with all of those analyses, but I'm going to take it one step further and say it's not just about the trans experience. It's about the human experience. Mm -hmm. Because there isn't, there, I don't know a single person I have ever met in my entire life, from my parents to my relatives to my wife to, to your family to every single Scientologist I ever knew, every friend I've ever had, every person I've ever met, Every one of them has at some point in time expressed to me that they are uncomfortable in their own skin, mm -hmm. that, that they don't feel it's part of, what, of their surroundings, that they feel separated or they feel different or that they can't be who they want to be or express themselves they want to the way they want to. Right. You know, we've all had those, those mm -hmm. times and, of frustration, and, and some of us are so in the closet on certain things and certain aspects of who we are or who we want to be or who we feel would best express who we are that um that it becomes it starts feeling oppressive it starts feeling like you can't be that or you can't say things and uh oh hey thanks zeb for that yeah and I think the um, I think that the uh, this is the connection point that Scientologists feel too, you know. I don't think it's really that that um, hard to understand or strange or unusual that people, you know, don't know who they are or or have a lot of questions about that or you know they, they the struggle of who they want to be versus what the society demands they be. And um, and if the Matrix is anything, it is it is a whole lot of allegory on that struggle, and uh, and the and the fight that that struggle really is for us. You know, it's not a walk in the park, and it's not something that anybody has a whole lot of. Um, oh gosh, well, it's just not something a whole lot of us have a real solid handle on. It's clearly mm -hmm. something that that people are struggling with. You know, and and I think that part of the reason for that is that. Um, if you're trying to define yourself by what, how other people see you or how other people are going to grant you the authorization or the okay to express or be who you are, you will, you will endlessly be frustrated. Right. And there's always, if you express yourself all the way, there's always going to be things that you lose too, because you might lose access to certain areas and things. You might lose friends and family by being who you truly are. You know, so there's always there's always a risk to it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And as uh, Robert here comments, right, it's similar to the X-Men comics. It appeared it appealed to the near universal teenage experience of being an outsider. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
right? This is the human struggle. And, um, and I find it funny and interesting how, you know, that it is, it is perfectly normal and human. And all of us, I think would agree, especially if you've been watching my channel for any length of time, that, um, that, that we are a walking, talking contradiction. You know, there are, there are things about us that are just insanely stupid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're all hypocrites. Yeah, well, that, exactly. <laughs> and, and yet, and yet, um, you know, it is perfectly human, perfectly normal to, um, to say, you know, um, have a friend give give a pass to a friend for the and 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 if an enemy did the same thing you'd want them you know you'd call for their execution tomorrow right um it's it's perfectly human to be that way and yet we the the struggle is is to overcome that sort of tribalism that we carry around with us so that we can actually express our humanity mm -hmm. it's it's this weird contradiction that both of those things are true at the same time so, um, okay, now somebody mentioned Flatland. Um, I've definitely got the message on the book Flatland. I've heard about it uh, many times now. People have written to me about it. And I have no idea, by the way, this is in reference to that two-dimensional worm thing I was mentioning in last week's Q&A where I talked about a two-dimensional worm runs into a three-dimensional pole. And what does it do, right? And it ends up going up the pole. This was an expression Hubbard used and, and an analogy that he made in one of his lectures. And people were telling me it comes from this book. Awesome. I definitely got that message. Um, not sure if Hubbard ever read that book. He never referred to it in any, in any lecture I ever heard or saw. But it's entirely possible. That's where he got the idea from. Um, okay, how many Matrix films do I need to see before viewing this movie? <laughs> well, you should see the trilogy. Yeah. Because this relies heavily on the trilogy, by the way. You don't want to go into this movie not knowing or being up to, st up to speed on the earlier movies. Um, you're probably going to want to watch them again because there's a lot of back references to it. And this movie is... The, the one thing I did want to say about Matrix 4, just from a movie criticism point of view, because you guys know how keen I am to talk about movies... Um, I, I'm just, I just really did. I'm just love, you know, such a cinephile. Um, is this movie is perhaps the most meta experience in a movie I've ever had. And by that, I mean, this movie is rolling itself out, talking about itself openly and blatantly while it's rolling out. It refers to its own backstory and mythology, and it creates a, a framework in which it can do that, which is pretty clever. And if nothing else, the writing of this movie is tight. It's not perfect. There are loose ends and things I have questions about after my first viewing, but it's tighter than a whole lot of other movies I've seen. In other words, there's not a lot of threads flying around that you're like, what's that? What's that? What's that? Especially during the course of watching the movie. I, I definitely read and experienced the feeling that I was watching something um, really special. It's really unique. Uh, somebody somebody put a lot of thought into this. The uh, I think it's Lana Wachowski, the 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 woman who made it. Mm -hmm. um, really, really well thought through storyline and and sort of structure to it. So I appreciated that. And I, and it's so rare for me to say that this movie had really good writing these days. That I wanted to comment on that. You know, that's uh that's important to me. I'm really big on on. Uh, 
tight writing. All right, so we've got some other questions coming in, so let's go ahead and move on to those. But I did want to put that out there. And I, in case I wasn't clear earlier, the Scientology connection is on that point of disagreement. Um, disagreeing with the physical universe, disagreeing with reality, disagreeing with the rules and what people tell you, and disagreeing with the structure of life itself and how our societies are put together. That's, that's the core of Scientology is, is the word disagreement. Um, that's what they, they idealize it. They, I, you know, they, they like, yes, this is how to get along in this universe is to disagree with all the stops and barriers and reasons why you can't get stuff done or can't be who you want or can't do what you want. It's all about disagreeing with the physical universe and, 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 and discovering the nature of the prison you are in that doesn't allow you to disagree. That's Scientology in a nutshell in terms of purpose, what, what they think they're doing in Scientology. And that's why they're going to love it. Scientologists love the Matrix and everything about it because of that core understanding of the movie. So I hope that gives a little, little insight into that. Um, what an interesting question, X-Cyan. Um, let me see if I can pull that back up here. Can you be who you are in an auditing session, or is it playing a role based on imagination? See, that's a really good question, Exxon, and the reason why is because you start out being you, hmm. and over the course of the auditing experience, you are molded into L. Ron Hubbard. Excuse me. That's what happens. The way you think, the way you think about things, the way you approach the world, the way you understand and frame the world is the indoctrination and process of auditing it changes you significantly and and the goal of course is to turn you into you know a little hubbard a little ot8 who uh now thinks about the world and looks at things exactly the way Ron hubbard does and that's not a good place to be um, I was reading Revolt in the Stars uh, yesterday and today to answer another question somebody asked me. I've never actually sat down and read the whole thing. I've read about it. I've skimmed it. I, you know, Revolt in the Stars is the story Hubbard wrote in the mid-70s after Star Wars came out where he took the Xenu story and he turned it into a sci-fi movie. Ugh. And it is painful to read. <laughs> it's so bad. It's horribly awful writing. Um, you guys can get it. You can find it, download it, check it out. It's like a 70-page uh, novella, really. It doesn't even read like a screenplay. It reads, I guess it's a, a, a short story or a treatment yeah. or something because it's all it's about really short, yeah. what people are thinking and talking. And there's, you know, there's a lot of, of, of uh, mental activity you know, throughout it. So more like, it's written more like a little story. But it's awful. I mean, it's just, uh, and, and this is how Hubbard viewed the world was, it's, anyway, it's just, ugh. Okay. Hey, Steve. Welcome to the show. Right. Greetings from LA. Okay. Yes. Can of worms indeed. Okay. So anyway, so as far as that auditing thing goes, yeah, you can be yourself to start with, but over time, if you maintain that kind of, if you're looking for real integrity and a real sense of who you are as separate from a group 
a cult like Scientology is the last place you want to go because it's all about see the thing the 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 twist the plot twist the the M Night Shyamalan like spin that you get in Scientology is ha ha they're actually all all about making you into L Ron Hubbard and it's all about conforming so the the See, the spirit and attitude of Scientology is disagree, disagree, be more yourself, be more powerful. Disagree with the people we disagree with, yeah. (laughs) But, exactly, if you don't conform with what L. Ron Hubbard says and disagree with the right people about the right things, out you go, right? And that's, of course, not only Scientology. We see that in social... General, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's, again, hyped up in groups like Scientology. It's really, really, you know, everything goes up to 11. Okay, um, Anthony Spurgeon asks a funny question. What does goof the floor mean? Now, I think you're asking goof the floof. That's a Hubbard expression he used a few times, goofing the floof. And that's some old, I don't know if he invented that or that's just some old dated expression for really screwing up, making a real bad mistake. You goof the floof, you, you screwed up. It sounds up. like you're like playing a joke on your cat or something. I, goof the floof. Goof the floof. Yeah, I mean, who knows where that expression comes from? I never looked it up. Uh, it's just one of those things you hear and you go, "Oh yeah, I get that." It's, um, but that's not goof the floor. I'm not sure where that is coming from. Maybe Anthony, if you want to clarify that. Okay. Um, yeah, Steve Woods saying it seemed quite clear to me there will be a Matrix Five. Well, there certainly could be. Um, Apparently, know. Lana uh, or Laura, what, the Wykowski uh, woman who created it, I can never remember if it's Lana or Laura. I I, my remember. bad. Totally my bad. Anyway, um, indicated that there it wasn't the plan to make more Matrix oh, movies. Okay. But I, yeah, I mean, it, it's change, not the plan right? until someone says, here's a certain amount of money. Exactly. <laughs> In fact, it's, it's, it's hilarious how many things about the Matrix movies are addressed directly in this movie because of the way that the first act is laid out and stuff. It's really smart. It's it. I thought it was really smart writing. So, and if nothing else, it was original. I mean, I've never seen anything like this movie, and that's a hard thing for me to say because I've seen a lot of damn movies at this point in my life. Uh, okay. Will I ever have Jamie DeWolf on the show? If we can ever schedule it, I, I have tried so many times to get Jamie on, and we just keep crossing uh, and and not making it happen. Uh, but I would like to do that. Um, okay, Hubbard stole everything. Yes, he did. Okay, Gur Roar, if David Miscavige died tomorrow, uh, who do you think would take power in Scientology? Alternately, do you think things would have been different if Pat Broker became leader? Okay, well, absolutely, things would have been crazy different if Broker had been in charge. There probably wouldn't be any Scientology anymore because he was, he was, Pat Broker was not about running Scientology. He was about playing with horses and drinking and screwing around and just having fun from all the accounts that I could find of, of his activities on the ranch excuse me, in the last days of last years of Hubbard's life, Pat Broker and Annie Broker were the caretakers of that of that ranch up in San Luis Obispo where Hubbard was spending his last years. And they were the last two people to be with him for the rest of his life. I mean, it was, it was like that. And uh, Pat had, apparently, the story goes, the mythology goes, that Pat had, uh, a, there was a power struggle and Pat was going to be the one who was going to be in charge, Pat and Annie. And... Um, and who knows what the truth of that is, um, but David Miscavige was not going to allow anybody to 
you know, to take his place. So um, if he died tomorrow, who would take over? Well, I'm not really sure. There are a few possibilities for that. Um, a council of people could take over. An individual could step up and suddenly be in charge. Um, somebody we know, maybe somebody we don't know. You know, it seems to me that the old style, the OG leaders, uh, the old Guillaume Lesev and Heber Gench and, you know, uh, Ray Midoff and these old names, uh, seems to me those guys are, are pretty put out to pasture. If not, if they're even still around, we just don't know. So I know I wouldn't look to any of the old guard to, uh, to take over. I think it would be some young gun or some new person, probably somebody in Scavage's entourage, Maybe, um, maybe there's some something written up for this that the lawyers have. Um, there's so many possibilities and so little knowledge that we have of the inner circle of that, that it's really just all conjecture on my part. Um, but I imagine that if it were, if David Miscavige were to go down for some reason today, fall over, have a heart attack, something like that. Um, somebody would take over. It wouldn't just mm -hmm. all fall apart at this point. That's unfortunate. But, that, but yeah, there are, um, even up to today on Tony's blog, there's another report from this insider person reporting on things from inside Scientology. And th th this person is so funny. They're so awesome. They remind me so much of myself when I was first writing about this stuff. You know, it's, it's I go, it's it's going down. It's going down. It's like okay, well, it's bad, but I, I let's let's hold off on it's all falling apart quite yet. I I used to be as excited about that too, <laughs> but it's really cool stuff. And to this day, they are still. Um, you know, really screwing themselves over with their vaccine um, mandates and protocols and the and the COVID decon seven stuff that we were talking about. So there's a lot of stuff to um, to get straight in that world. I mean, anybody who tried to take it over or tried to pick up where Miscavige is at right now would have a real job on their hands. And there might be so many moving parts and so much nonsense going on that it did that it would eventually all fall apart. Mm. Uh, that's possible because um, because we don't even know. I mean, really, we got to be really honest with ourselves that there is a lot we don't know. But what we do know all points to 10 alarm fires. And... Um, and those fires aren't being put out. Masterson case, this, mm -hmm. the, you know, the constant, this, this insider reporting on the fact that maybe a third of Scientologists are just like, I'm not going to the org no matter what you say, because they can't deal with the whole Decon 7 COVID protocols and all that crap. So, um, so it seems to me that, um, that that's not, uh, uh, I'm just I'm I'm just curious to find out more about how Miscavige is going to keep this thing going because it seems to me it's you know it's 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 not good. Um, yes, <laughs> Robert Roberts is commenting on the on the revolt in the stars, the evil lady men, how the psychiatrist who worked for the president injected people to kidnap them. Yeah, it's all Hubbard's fever dream. The revolt in the stars. I had no idea. I, I knew it would be bad, but I didn't know Hubbard was going to inject so much of his conspiracy theory into this 76 Ugh. million year old civilization. And, you know, he talks about income tax and and, and, and identification cards and um, uh, tax audits uh, and all of this being like somehow 
this the 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 root of all evil <laughs> are these things, right? Is having ID cards and income taxes is the thing that's going yeah, to absolutely. God forbid we can ID you, and God forbid. <laughs> government gets to do things i know it's just it's laughably <laughs> bad it really is um okay let's carry on here and oh anthony says yeah it was a typo on the floor thing okay cool so you did ask the exact goof the floof yes um i misspelled made to make the word up made a real word <laughs> Okay, one track mind. How does Scientology deal with COVID? You have got to check out the reporting on Tony Ortega's blog lately because it's because there's a lot. Apparently, what's happening right now is that and has been happening for the last two years is that Scientologists have gone absolutely batshit, insanely crazy on cleaning surfaces, and so um, this this uh, industrial strength chemical called Decon Seven has been being used by Sea Org members and Scientology staff to clean all of the org multiple times a day, clean their groceries, clean their food. I mean, they're still operating basically, in other words, on all the stuff we thought we had to do two years ago. They never stop doing it. They never stop cleaning all the sur- they, they They're still operating as though COVID is spread by surface contact. And so much so that David Miscavige has now laid down the law that this protocol that we that they have laid out for cleaning everything multiple times a day with this heavy duty dangerous toxic cleaning fluid is um is the only way that they're going to deal with this and um uh, and it and it doesn't change and so um if you don't comply with this protocol if all the staff and the sea org and now the public don't comply with this and don't agree to comply with this, then they're out. They can't come into the org. And if you go to a sea org base, you have to quarantine on the base for two weeks. Um, they finally got everybody in pack, the big blue base, uh, vaccinated. All the all the sea org members there reportedly are now vaccinated, so they didn't. They no longer have to do the two week quarantine thing, but. They still have to do all the cleaning every day. They still have to wear gloves, not just a mask, but gloves. I mean, it's it's insane. And um, I mean, you know, anyway. And there's a bunch of Scientologists who are already anti-vax, very conspiracy-minded, because of Scientology, by the way. <laughs> Scientology indoctrinates that. And so they're kind of being their own undoing right now with this. And and so, you know, maybe I should be a little bit more optimistic from what the insider is saying about, about just how bad this is. If what he's saying is true, uh, then, it, you know, we are looking at um, a, a real disaster in that, in that world of Scientology. And this has caused orgs to shut down for periods of time. They closed the orgs for like seven months. I mean, basically, Miscavige has kind of gone off on his own. Yeah, he's losing it. Yeah, basically. <sighs> and um, and he's taken all the Scientologists along with him, and a bunch of them are just not interested anymore and not interested in dealing with that. So that's interesting. That is very interesting. Now, in re- in, now it's entirely possible, and we'll see in the next few weeks, that in response to all this negative publicity that they are now getting because of these reports and because of all the things we're talking about, that Miscavige might get word of this and cancel all this. And wouldn't that be interesting? 
Um, cause we already know that they listen to what we have to say and they've canceled the RPF. They've, you know, they've, uh, they've, they've, they haven't stopped, but they have calmed down a little bit on some of that abortion crap, the forced abortion stuff, but they still, they still do it. So they do respond a little bit to some of what we talk about out here. So we'll see what they, we'll see what they do with that. Um, I heard this. Okay, next question. I heard that Scientology gives away gifts and candy canes in front of Big Blue for Christmas. Did you ever participate in something like that? No, I did not. I never engaged in any charity activities while I was a Scientologist. The only, the most charitable thing I ever got close to as a Sea Org member or staff member was when we would do can collections in the orcs. We would do food drives and and uh, you know collect stuff up for shelters and stuff like that. But it was it was a it was a um, very superficial sort of activity. It was nobody in Scientology really cared that much about the homeless. Okay, um, okay. Preacher eleven thirty eight. In your opinion, why is it that some ex Scientologists still believe that Hubbard was a spy, even though, as Jeff Wassel points out, Hubbard was terrible at spycraft. Um, probably for the same reason they think he's a good author, that he was a war hero, <laughs> that he graduated college well. I mean, because Hubbard said so. And they, they want to believe what he has to say. And also, I mean, also with this particular line of Hubbard having been a, a, a spy, it adds more mystique and mystery. You know, L. Ron Hubbard, international man of mystery, right? I mean, now he, he has the whole James Bond flair to his uh, wartime uh, activities. So it makes him more sexy, right? I mean, of course, uh, you know, Scientologists would buy that in a second. Facts have nothing to do with how Scientologists address their um, address that stuff. So now you have a question, Mel. Yeah, I saw that. Um, they're asking if I'm ready for another kitten. No. <laughs> uh, not yet, you know. I mean, sometimes I think about it, but I'm, I'm just not ready. I still miss seven a whole bunch, and I'm still very sad and about that, and I just am not ready for another pet yet. And I don't know if we'll get another cat again because um, Chris – has allergies and stuff to certain cats so might have to get a puppy or something (laughs) yeah and i also and i also have some reservations on the whole decoying thing yeah because i don't want a cat with claws that's that's not anything i have a reservation about i don't want a cat with claws but i don't want to defang or declaw a cat either so it's it that's a little bit of a moral quandary for me but um yeah i don't think we're ready yet no. No. We we're 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 not in a big hurry to fill that void quite yet. We have stuff to get through, I think. Just the process. Yeah, I mean nothing just special. Grieving still, you yeah, know. just grieving. Nothing mm-hmm. nothing unusual there. Yeah. Okay. Um Oh, that's uh no, you'll have to uh Polymath is asking me a fascinating question right now. Did you check out the link between white entitlement workshops and Scientology in the 1980s? I am not aware of a direct link on that polymath, so you'll have to point that out to me. I am certainly aware of and will talk critically about um, white entitlement workshops, but I want to make sure I understand what you're talking about when you say that. Do you mean those the sort of racial diversity and, and implicit bias training workshops that, that has been going on over the last year? In response to the whole BLM George Floyd thing from last year, or are you talking about something different? Let me know on that one. Yeah. Um, 
Because there's two, there's kind of two ways you could take white entitlement workshops. I'm like, is this like about how that's bad or are these people all for it? Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not totally, before I go sticking my foot in my mouth, I want to make sure I understand the questions I I answer. Um, Exxon asks, what do we know about Heber? I met him once, super nice guy. We don't know anything about Heber right now. He has old, he's infirm, he's probably on his way out. That's a you know very unsympathetic uh, way of describing his current condition, I'm sure. But um, Heber's not in a good way, and I think it's just a matter of time if he hasn't already passed, and that's sad. But the kind of the state of things. That's that's all we really know about him. I, I don't have any other inside line on that. Um, board of the Church of Technology. This ownership of the. Yes. Yeah, Robert Roberts. Let's let's let me address this real fast. I've heard, I think, by Tony, that there is a board of the Church of Technology that has ownership of the trademarks and reading materials of Scientology. What you are referring to there, Robert, is an organization within the labyrinth of Scientology organizations. You have three corporations that head the whole thing. Religious Technology Center is one of those. The Church of Scientology International is the other one, and the third one is the Church of Spiritual Technology, or CST. I've done interviews with a man named Dylan Gill who worked at CST. This is the, this is the organization that's in charge of the um, underground bases, the, the vaults of uh, you know Hubbard's works on titanium plates and all that. That's all being done and executed by the Church of Spiritual Technology. It's a very, very small, very super private group it's very high level in Scientology. Most Scientologists don't even know that much about it. It is only Sea Org members who work for it. Shelley Miscavige is probably working at one of the CST locations in Lake Arrowhead, California. And um, yes, that organization has uh, the right to RTC, Religious Technology Center, is the organization that actually holds the trademarks and copyrights of Scientology. But the CST is a sister organization that apparently can purchase those trademarks and copyrights if need be for like a dollar so that if there's corporate shenanigans or an attack, a legal attack on RTC, they can transfer the, that intellectual property and it won't be you know, legally compromised. And, and there's other shenanigans there, but that's the organization you're, you're talking about there. So... Thought I'd clarify that. Um, what would it take for Miscavige to be subpoenaed? Well, he has been subpoenaed many times. It's finding him and delivering the Ugh. subpoena that's the hard part. Uh, serving that guy is hard to do, and uh, and that's on purpose, right? They they go they they make it very difficult to to do that. So what it would take would be a dedicated private investigator who understands the structure of Scientology to. To get through and and find him and track well, him down he and has serve him. Shit, tons of privilege too. Because when I was in in trouble for something somebody else did to me, I uh, I know they were trying to find me and subpoena me at all the wrong places on purpose, and then they still they still made the judgment against me, even though there was I had no idea that anything was even going on. So it's not. A, I think that there's a lot of game playing with these guys that do the subpoenas and I the courts right. and everything. Well, there's certainly game playing going on between Miscavige and his attorneys and the sort yeah. of where's where's mm-hmm. Waldo game they play, and and money and power and influence give you the ability mm-hmm. to have 
privilege to play around with the courts that way. And, yeah. you know, us regular folk don't have that. Um, and that's that's a real shame, I think. I think it's a, I think it's a travesty. Because um, it should simply be that Miscavige is subpoenaed like anybody else and shows up like anybody else is expected to, and he doesn't. Right. And he gets away with it because of the millions that they can throw at lawyers to throw at the courts. <laughs> I mean, it's it really is that stupid and simple, but that's the world we live in. So, uh, so his wife missing was not enough to get rid of David. Oh, hell no. No, no. David Miscavige's wife has been missing since the mid-2000s. Uh, she hasn't seen, been seen in public, I think, since... Uh, I, 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 well, there were there were reported sightings a few years ago but um Ms. actually tony again reported on this in detail on christmas day so just to just yesterday you can go on tony's blog and check out his reporting on that he gives a full rundown on the entire history with shelly and i refer people over there because that's the best reporting there is on shelly is is what's is what tony's doing so i just i'm just really regurgitating his his lines when i talk about her uh for the most part Okay, uh, let's see here. Oh, sure. Can I do another episode with Jeff Augustine? Yeah, absolutely, Red Pill. We'll have to uh, work that out in the new year. I've got so many plans for after I finish my degree that I, I, just, I, can't, I can't wait. So, yeah, lots of interviews uh, on the line, and Jeff is, is definitely on that list. Um, Polymath, I do not know that name. How much did Hubbard steal from Geraldine Innocente to create his own bridge to total freedom? Hers was from 1951. News to me. That's uh, that's fascinating. Okay. Are there any places similar to Mace Kingsley still operating, Anthony Spurgeon asks. Mace Kingsley is a Scientology school. I think uh, Mace Kingsley was mostly for troubled youth. Uh, you know, troubled kids, Scientology kids who weren't getting along, weren't making it in the regular world or in regular schooling. Um, I don't know if they're still going. I thought they closed down. There is, there are still the um, Scientology schools up in the Delphi schools are still operating, but I don't know if if Mace Kingsley is. I thought they'd shut down their ranch. So I have to have to look into that. Actually, I haven't heard anything about them in years, as far as new reporting or any new information coming out of there um let's see wouldn't it be great if Scientology? yes it would be great if scientology had to give outlets all the money back yes that would be awesome that'd be yes. so good that'd um, be a lot of money oh here's a good question do i think instagram is as manipulative as facebook yes i do it's owned by the same company and i will never go anywhere near instagram whatsapp or facebook for that reason mm. uh, nowhere near them I, I won't touch them, um, and that's and it's because of that. Yeah, there it's absolutely manipulative. That it, it the 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 trouble with trying to convince people about the manipulation that occurs on social media is it's so invisible, it's so transparent that on a day to day it's hard to see. You have to really know what to look for, and even then, on a day to day to day. It's not obvious. Right. It, it's over time and it's over it, the, the ways it manipulates you are very non-obvious ways. And and so it's hard to convince people, oh, I don't have a problem. I don't see the problem. What's the problem? It's slow poison. It's not fast acting poison. Let's put it that way. Right. You're, if you're eating a bunch of poison grapes and you got to eat a hundred of them before you're actually going to start feeling yeah, exactly. something, but you do it every day, you know, it's like. You could do it all at once or you can do it over time. 
either way, you're still poisoning yourself. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I see that. And Instagram is just like, that's even worse than Facebook for making you feel crappy about yourself. I should get an update with Tori. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right? (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Tori Magoo and Nora Crest. Yes, we should get some Tori back. I just talked to her the other day, too. Yeah, we should get a little update with her. We should name him eight if we get another cat. (laughs) Are you okay with massage therapy being offered at a local homeless shelter? When you say massage therapy, you just mean regular (laughs) massages? Because... Sure. With a happy ending? If you're talking about the happy ending kinds, I don't know. I don't know. I don't don't see any reason why if a chiropractor or massage therapist wanted to set up at a homeless shelter, I would have no objection to that, actually. Yeah. I I wouldn't really care. And can we cancel Scientology? Um, Been Uh, trying. (laughs) We're working on it. If only. (laughs) If only, right? Talk about people that actually, like an organization that deserves that. Oh versus God. some of the people. Yeah, I saw that. You should name him eight. Yeah. No, we'll name him eight. That's right. OT8. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, oh, cool. Hey, Robin. Welcome to the show here. Yeah, decline is just that. See, it sounds painful to me too, and I don't want to. I don't want to do that to an animal, but I. But I refuse to have an animal tear up my my furniture too. So. Okay. Uh, do you think DM is freaked out by midgets? Uh, no, I don't think so. That's silly. Um, let's see. Oh, God, Dylan, that's a great question. Have you had Louis Theroux on, and would it be possible to get him on? I would actually really should legit reach out to him. He's doing a podcast now, too. He had Leah on at the beginning of the year last year. I just oh. saw the show. It was okay. It was pretty pretty <laughs> usual stuff. But um, but they had an interesting. It was an interesting enough talk to listen to for sure. Leah was was pretty. Um, she was good. She was really on 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 point in, in her talk with him. Um, yeah, I should reach out to Louis. I'd like to. I'd like to to talk to him sometime. He did see my review of his movie. My the, the movie he did on Scientology called My Scientology Movie. He responded to my tweet, but I, I can't remember exactly what he said. But he, I I was a little critical, but I still recommended people see it. So. I don't know if he actually watched the video, but at least he knows I, I, I exist. <laughs> uh, okay. It is. I will admit that, Robert. You got to admit the Church of Spiritual Technology is a pretty awesome title for a cult. It, it actually is. I, I, I was a little bit more impressed with that than the word Scientology. Uh, oh, here's a good question, Gurror. What is a Sea Org wedding like? Nobody's ever asked me that before. Do you go back to work after the first dance? Yeah, pretty much. Most Sea Org weddings happen around 1130 or midnight uh, after post. Uh, I saw them happen in the uh, atrium of uh, the advanced org or in the courtyard area of Asho or in the chapel building um, of, of Asho at Big Blue. And um, it was people, you know, sometimes the families would show up. And it was, oh, they're getting married after post night. So you knew you were going to be wandering over there at like <sighs> 1030 or 11 to watch people take their vows and uh, and then go off and have a weekend maybe if they were lucky. Uh, or sometimes they got married, had a ceremony, and they showed up to post the next day. Dear Lord. Yeah. That was pretty standard fare when I was in the Sea Org. My wedding when I was in the Sea Org 
um, which was obviously not to Mel, uh, was a Vegas wedding. We um, we had we got Saturday and Sunday off, so we um, the family came and picked us up, and we drove out to Vegas from L.A. on Saturday morning. We got married uh, Saturday late afternoon or early evening, and we had um, the, the the night and Sunday. Uh, we had to go back to the base and report back to post first thing Monday morning. So Jesus. that was my um, that was my big honeymoon. Uh, <laughs> two days in Vegas. <laughs> that's right. Two days in Vegas. Cir- at Circus Circus, we were married in the <laughs> Chapel of Love. Uh. Yes. Okay. Uh, so that's that. How often do I think Shelly Miscavige cries? <sighs> I have no idea. I wish I had met her at some point so I could give better que- better answers to the questions I'm asked about her. Because I, I don't know her, and I never did. Um, I have very mixed feelings about Shelley Miscavige. I'm sure she does cry. And I feel very sorry for her and the circumstances that she's in. But I have to acknowledge the fact that she stood by David Miscavige's side for 30 years and did nothing. And so we feel very sorry for her. We should. We feel very sorry for everybody who's in a cult, and we should. Uh, but she does not stand out to me as somebody special, personally. I understand that there's a thing about that, and I'm down with it, because it brings attention to the abuses of Scientology. But I don't really have a special place in my heart for Shelley Miscavige. Um, and that's my own take on that. It's, it probably sounds a little cold, but it is what it is. Um, oh, hey, wow, super yeah. chat. That is an awesome super yeah, chat, Dylan. Thank, you, thank Dylan. you so much. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Merry Christmas. Uh, okay, let's see here. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mark. My uh, amiable spirit. I'm s- s- doing s- my best. I really am. Uh, of course, then I trash talk Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> Costa Rica. All right. Um <laughs> red pill <laughs> do i think there's a chance macaulay cole can make a comeback eh, probably not um he's kind of in some stuff but he's yeah he's been in a few things but i don't know if he's gonna get super famous no his, his brothers are uh, is uh apparently huge because of secession though that that show succession oh we gotta watch that we haven't yeah. we haven't gotten around to watching that one yet um yeah, see, Robert, I don't know. Didn't the woman who run Mace Kingsley in the lesbian relationship and living in Clearwater? I I, I got nothing on that. I don't know. Um, yes, did you say if you're going to do a Scientology Year in Review podcast? I am, and that's going to be the Sensibly Speaking podcast next week will be my full Year in Review, and I will be commenting at length again on uh, all of this new stuff uh, that's been coming out in the last couple weeks, too. Okay. Um, are you cool with high colonics? If that's what I think it is, which is like the only thing that should ever go inside your butt is a colonoscopy tube. Yeah. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah. <We're>, nope. Not <laughs> no. No. So I I would say no, I'm not cool with that. <laughs> I would say no, very not. Uh, okay. Those are unnecessary. You already have organs that clear you out. <laughs> Yeah. Nick Bravo asks, how much pressure is being put on Miscavige's underlings? His second and third level people destroy his foundation. He'll have no hiding place. Yeah, Nick, I am quite sure. I mean, given what we've been learning about what's been going on in the last two years because of these crazy COVID protocols and Decon 7 stuff, 
one can only imagine how bad it must be for the people who are in Miscavige's inner circle. Mm -hmm. I mean, there must be a rotating door there or something. I can only imagine. Or conversely, these are the most sycophantic and loyal people that they will lick the floor for the guy. And that's his own level of awful. So, you know, again, who knows, but we can, we, one thing we can say for sure is no one in that, in, in that inner circle is having a good time right now. There's no way. I've, I'm really concerned about that, actually, in terms of the health and safety of those people. People have asked me so many times about a mass suicide or is there going to be a Jonestown or Heaven's Gate ending to Scientology? And I've always said no, because Scientologists are not suicidal and they can't be talked into that. But because it's, it's just not what Scientology is about as a philosophy. And yet... <laughs> You know, this Decon 7 thing is it could kill people. I mean, I'm really concerned about that. And Miscavige just it seems to be pouring on the coals on that particular point. So, you know, now I can only shrug and go, well, I don't know how much people are going to put up with in that, you know, with that activity. Ugh. Ugh. All right. Um, oh, Lena Sifady, what did our Christmas dinner look like? Oh, well, we have like turkey and you know the usual stuff: turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes, and things like that. Yeah, it was it was, it was a fun. Yeah. It was fun. It yeah. was nice. It was just a nice family Christmas. I was we were a little bummed because I was going to do a, the cooking and I didn't end up doing that because of the schedule thing. Yeah, but it was still tasty. It was still yeah, fun. Yeah. So we had a good time. Uh, was Elvis at your first wedding? No, Elvis was not. However, I did catch about three Elvis impersonators. On the way to my wedding. <laughs> so there was that. Uh, yes, circus, circus. That's right. Rather austere. Um, okay. Chris Shelton Gerwar asks, what do you think of the Scientology channel supporting documentary filmmakers? They even get them to give testimonials, but they have nothing to do with Scientology. When did this start? I think this started about a year or two ago in an effort to try to get more views and attention onto their, you know, lame-ass Scientology channels. So they started featuring non-Scientology documentary uh... content. Um... And I think it's just an attention grab. I think it's Ugh. lame. Um, you know, obviously Scientology has a mission. They should stay on their mission. And uh, and instead they're, you know, just trying to get views and get eyes. Um, I, I would can't never... believe any of these documentary filmmakers are like, sure, I want to be on the Scientology channel. I Ew. know. You'd have to be really desperate for attention to put your stuff there. Yeah. I would never uh, do that. And I really want my stuff looked at, but I would never put it there. Yeah, worst venue ever. I, I I will agree with that. Okay. Um Vegas Elvis wedding. You know, it's a it's if you embrace it for for the fun, fun of it yeah. and you just kind of throw all the seriousness yeah. of weddings to the wind, it really can be fun. I, I, mean, I, I think. That's what my dad and stepmom did when they got married, is they just ran off to Vegas one weekend. They had already been together for eight years, but they ran off to Vegas one weekend and got married and they didn't take it seriously. They call their wedding picture the picture where they put their heads in the little Han Solo and Princess Leia thing and at whatever hotel they were at. So yeah, they didn't take it seriously. No, and and, and I, th I I don't know. I personally, you know, when I get into that kind of mode, it's the most fun. I, I that's when I really get get popping is when I'm kind of in the big, unserious, let's not take anything yeah. seriously kind of mood. That's a lot of fun. It can be really empowering. So, mm -hmm. um, so good times on that. 
Anyway, we caught up on the questions, by the oh, way. Oh, wow. wow okay. Yeah, better fire some more guys because yeah, we've only got five, minutes. We only got five <laughs> minutes left. Now, we did not do, by the way, our um, our Critical Conversation show this, this last Friday. And we're not going to be doing one again this Friday because it's New Year's Eve and we're going to be... Uh, partying with uh, other ex-Scientologists here in, in the area. So, um, oh, okay, it's a good question. Scuba7JB, what happens if a Sea Org member can't do a high-pressure sales fundraising or regging job? Do they get RPF'd or transferred to a job that better fits their personality or just kicked out? People don't get kicked out because they can't do certain kinds of work. They just get put on work that they can do. And at the end of the day, anybody can wash dishes or scrub the floor. So there's always work available in the Sea Org for anybody. Um, and everybody's also kind of got their own niche and their own interest. I mean, there's letter writing. If you don't want to do a public-facing job, there's a ton of work you can do in the Sea Org that has nothing to do with talking to public people. You will be put in front of people to try to sell them things no matter how good or bad you are at it. At events, that happens. At When there's big releases, that happens. And everybody is expected to be on the phones some part of the day. But not everybody is very good at it. So you get worked over and trained and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if you're just not, you don't, don't have a temperament to deal with people that way, you'll get put on something else. Excuse me. Okay. Um... Oh, Xcyan asks, I saw the eating area outside of Big Blue. Could I go eat at the Big Blue Canteen as a regular person without being hit on mercilessly? I don't know what their response to that would be right now, but I'll bet they'd probably not be super keen on having you around. If you just walked up to the, you know, to the pack base, which you can do, it's an open street, and you and you saw that there was a public canteen, you went in there to buy something. They probably will let you. I mean, it is open to the street. Um, I'd be a little curious, actually, what would happen right now. I mean, especially given the, the, the COVID paranoia. Um, okay. Yeah, Dylan, I'm glad you were able to finally make it live with us, too. That was, uh, that was really great. Okay. Um, well, Nancy, I'm really glad that you figured out how to train a cat not to claw the furniture. I could never figure out how to do that. Uh, personally, so I'm glad you did. That's that's great. Um, okay, Tim Greenlass asks uh, a question regarding body thetan clusters. Does anyone ever ask for evidence or proof of their existence? The proof that Scientologists accept. Let's be super super clear here. The proof that Scientologists accept as to why body thetans exist or the OT levels work is the e meter. They are told how to interpret the e-meter in such a way that they believe when the needle moves, that proves that the question being asked or the command that's being given is legit, is valid, because the needle moved. You know, if I ask you, have you ever stolen an apple? An apple? No. Right? <laughs> right? No, I've never done that. No, there it is. There's, an an there's a question, there's an answer. But if we put an e-meter in between us and I have you pick up the cans and I say, have you ever stolen an apple? Uh-huh. And you say no. Nope. And I go, well, the needle says differently. Like, I've stolen some things, but not apples. Right? <laughs> that meter, though, and that needle, for absolutely no good reason whatsoever, is taken as an article of faith that it means something when the needle moves. Mm-hmm. 
And what it means is that the question that was asked that made the needle move is a hot question. So clearly, the needle wouldn't be moving if there wasn't anything there, right? I mean, it's that level of stupidity, but that's the proof that they, that they take uh, as to why L. Ron Hubbard's words are true. That's, that's, how, that's, that's how that's accepted. Um, oh, thank you, Robin. Thank you very much for that. Very nice comment. Um, no, I don't think Ricky Martin would make a good spokesman for Scientology red pill. All right. And finally, how many pinch tests did I do? Um, oh gosh, over the years, um, I probably did two, 300 pinch tests on people because it's part of, it's a, it's a, it's part of one of the e-meter drills that you will, uh, a pinch test is when you have somebody on an e-meter and they're holding the cans and you literally pinch them. And cause them some pain, and then and the pain registers on the dial. And no one like just smacked you, or no, no, it's, it's not on purpose. I, I, I say I'm going to pinch you. Oh, okay. And then they you're holding, and then you have the needle, and you say, "Look, look what happens." And I pinch you, and you see, boom, it goes over. Ah, it's proof. See, the needle measures pain and trauma because it moved when I pinched you. Again, not. Not a lot of thinking going on there, okay? Just because a needle moves doesn't mean what you think it does. Okay, so, um, yeah, I did a lot of pinch tests when I was a Scientologist. So I thought, though, because um, we did not do our critical conversations, we would wrap up our live show this week with how we usually wrap up our um, conver- or critical conversation show with a critical thinking card. Uh, This is my deck of critical thinking, um, logical fallacies, and cognitive biases. And every week we have um, Mel select one from the deck and share it with you guys. Sunk cost fallacy. One of the number one fallacies as to why people stay in Scientology. The sunk cost fallacy. I already spent the money. (laughs) Yeah, you irrationally cling to things that have already cost you something. You're invested, in other words. And if you pull out, you'd have wasted that investment. It all would just would have been a waste. So I can't do that. Yeah, I think that's why people stay in, like, bad relationships for so long. And Exactly. We've, when we've invested our time, money, or emotion into something, it hurts to let it go. Ask yourself, had I not already invested something, would I still do so now? Hmm. And if the answer is no, then you really need Run. to reconsider your position. <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> Robert. <laughs> uh, I will definitely get the e-meter video done before COVID uh, is eradicated from the face of the earth. And that's Ooh. all I'm going to say about it today. Yeah. Uh, Considering yeah. they think it might become seasonal, it's probably true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, dear. (laughs) Okay, guys. Uh, Thanks for your support. Thank you very much for your uh, holiday good wishes right back at you, all of you. Thanks for viewing and um, and for your support of this channel. Uh, You will see uh, next come next thing on this on this channel will be a podcast next Saturday, which will be the year in review. And I think we'll have some fun going over uh, all of the stuff in Scientology and otherwise that happened this year. And, uh, and then, and then we'll see what happens in the new year. I have my, um, 
My thesis is due at the beginning of February, so I will be nose to the grindstone through most of January. You'll still see videos from me, but you're not. But but I'm going to be very nose to the grindstone through through January because I got to get that thing done. And uh, once it's done, it's done. And then I have a lot of ideas of things I want to do for you guys. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to 2022, actually. From my perspective, there's a lot of exciting things happening and uh, or to come. And um, hopefully, the you know, we get some of this craziness under control this next yeah. year. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Anyway, thanks for helping me out here, baby. You're welcome. And thanks for joining us, guys. Let's go ahead and wrap up. See you next week.